Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert, and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of harvesting nature. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game podcast. Uh, got a little crew chat today, which we're going to talk about pairing beer and wild game and using beer to cook with wild game but first off i'm going to lead off with a little information and some exciting news here from the harvesting nature crew that uh we've been working pretty hard and and over the course of the past couple weeks we've hatched a new podcast um which we're going to be releasing here in september it's going to air twice a month (laughs) twice a month yep twice a month on sundays and it's going to be not a long uh, not a long podcast, not as long as this. It's only going to be probably in like the five to fifteen minute range. We'll say ten. So to we're going minutes. for a more concise package deal than the normal. Yep. Yep. So essentially, what's going to happen? So the title of the podcast, in case you want to know, is called Very much so. "Harvesting Nature's Adventures for Food." Ooh. And so what it's going to be is it's going to encompass uh, members of our field staff writing team are going to be telling their stories. So everybody knows that a field staff writer, not everybody, but the people around us know that field, our field staff writing team are responsible for cranking out the written content on the website there at Harvesting Nature. So they will now be orating uh, some of those adventures so that when you're out hunting season or sitting in the deer stand or traveling to the duck blind and you're like, all I can think about is hunting or fishing, that uh, you can pop on one of these 10 to 15 minute episodes and it will uh, 
give you some little entertainment. Nice yeah, it's going to be perfectly packaged for home repairs, archery shoots, mm-hmm. gun cleaning, and hopefully, dare I say it, butchering wild game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be great. And uh, so it's going to air on this channel. So you'll get the notification if you subscribe to us already. You'll get the notification that a new episode is out. Uh, it'll just be titled Adventures for Food versus Wild Fishing Game Podcast. Tune in and pay attention. So like I said, twice a month on Sundays. So within two-week time spans of each other on Sundays, you'll see that release. If you have specific stories you want to hear or, or adventures you want to learn about, you know, shoot us an email. Always, what's cooking at Harvest in Nature? We get all that, and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we get that appropriate adventure on the books. But otherwise, I am feeling thirsty, which means it's time to talk about beer. So nice, yeah. Is everybody uh, equipped? Oh, except for poor Will. Oh no. Yeah, a little dry up here in Virginia right now. <laughs> That's okay. Soon we'll end. Um. So here last week, we put out an article on Harvest to Nature, uh, kind of detailing. I did some some sipping, some eating, and some research and came up with, uh, with a, a good, I think, comprehensive, fairly comprehensive list of, of beers. I went from like light to dark, usually like three beers per meat type or animal type. Yeah, you went deep, man. I, I know. I... I can't do anything halfway. So <laughs> I tell my daughter that I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. We don't do things halfway. And that includes writing articles about beer, which is Excellent. very important. So, um, you know, I, I, it, the thought came to me, Dan and I conversed about it several times with the, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Um, and so the more I thought about it, the more I was like, look, you know, it's something cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a bougie beer drinker, but I do like good beer. Oh yeah. But I also, also like really cheap beer. Like, you know, I, I drink <laughs> Coors, Coors original yeah. pretty regularly. Paps Blue Ribbon finds its way. That's what we call working beers. Um, yeah. They're functional. They serve a purpose. Yeah. I mean, well, right I mean, now. What's the first thing we grab when we get off the mountain or after we finish butchering, you know, sitting around the campfire, you, you grab a nice beer. It's, yeah. it's oh, yeah. part of the culture. Yeah. And I think it's fair. And, you know, I, I carry Coors in the cooler uh, tonight. I'm drinking Miller High Life. I mean, it's fine, but it, if I want to enjoy something, I'm going to lean more towards the craft side. And I, I think that's something I've I've been excited to see explode over the last decade. You oh, know, yeah. I lived in California before in San Diego, and it's like one of the hot spots for craft beer in the U.S. And like, you could go, you know, at one Each time. Block had its own micro. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I think there was over a hundred microbreweries. Yep you know, just before I left and it's pretty crazy. But if you get out there and you plug around on the internet, something you will not find is a good list on what pairs well with wild game. And, uh, I think part of that may be just the fact that maybe people that enjoy wild game don't always take the time to write down what beers they enjoy with it or, yeah, I don't I know. Think it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's one of those barrier to entry things, right? So you can't go to the store and get wild game. So there's a subsection of society that really enjoys wild game and mm-hmm. more times than not inherently, we also like craft beer, Yep. but pairing the two, it's a, it's a match made in heaven. I know for me personally, I'm kind of 
when we were talking about it and I was thinking about it, it's definitely seasonal for me too, because certain beers come out at certain times of the yeah. year. So when you're hunting, depending on what that season is, if you have a good microbrew near you, or even, you know, one of the godfathers of us here in Nevada, they have seasonal beers that come out. And if they make a bad one, I don't know, because I haven't had one yet, but each one that comes out for me means another, another season, another move towards either hunting or a prime time of hunting. So I do oh, yeah. want to. And especially like beers become nostalgic too. Like whenever I go to Wyoming and hunt, there's certain brands of beer that I just, you know, I have to drink with that mule deer hunt and it, and it just adds to that full experience. Yep. I, yep. I'm also, I want to point out because I already saw some comments and some, you know, some and all those different things, but this is a general guide. I'm not telling you what to drink. I'm not saying you're drinking the wrong beer. Nope. You know, and I know that, you know, whitetail deer from Central Florida and whitetail deer from Nebraska and whitetail deer from Massachusetts all taste different. Their yep. diets are different. Their environments are different. It's different. So in the end, I'm going to say this, and I'll say it at the end of the show, drink what you like, what tastes good to you. But for me, this is a good starting point for those people who are curious and want to try different types of beer. Remember, always pair wild game and beer responsibly. Always. <laughs> and don't drink a drive. No. Or hunt. Or hunt. Don't drink and hunt. <laughs> Very true. So, um, I just wanted to put that full disclosure out there. Because um, I think it's important. You know, there, there's definitely groups of people out there, and I'm, I'm sure this exists in the world, that... Um, they may want to try different beers, but they're like, where do I go? And I've walked into the beer store or that liquor store or the grocery store with the beer section. You're like, it takes me a good, some days, like 10, 15 minutes to figure out what beer I want to get. If I want to get something schwanky. So you're just giving, you know, the listener or the reader a great jumping off point on, you know, here's a family of beer that works well, you know, to kind of cut that 10 minutes in the beer aisle down to probably about two. You know, yeah. give them a starting off point. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the, you know, there's different, there's different flavors and subsections and sub specialties within each one of those beers, and different breweries yeah. make them different ways. It's like there's, there's no right or wrong way. And I mean, I, hell, I could recommend a beer type, and you're like, well, that didn't work. And yeah, and I think another big part of it too is people love to know, and it's it's society's problem, right? Everybody wants to know what's the best. What is yeah. the absolute best? So people put a fictitious amount of pressure and, you know, fame upon a beer a lot of times just because it's hard to get. So because something's rare, they think it's automatically good. But there are so many good microbrews out there right now, so many good IPAs. If you're into IPAs, stouts, everybody's doing something with it. It's no longer, you know, just Budweiser or you know, the three big Miller Coors and Budweiser. There's a, there's a world of flavors out there just like wild game. So definitely Mm -hmm. experiment, see what you like. And, you know, and that's reflected in the list too, because I didn't choose one. I didn't choose two. I chose three and I gave a darkness scale because some people like dark beer, some people like light beer, some people don't, but it's like, you know, and in the end too, you know, it's, it's my opinion. Uh, based off research that I did and tasting and eating and, you know, my experience with wild game. So it's like, it's not 100% foolproof, but 
I don't want to don't want to spend too much time defending my list here. I would rather talk about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's get into it. But one more thing. So consideration. Um, I would say think about how you're preparing the meat. So are you cooking it low and slow? Are you cooking it high and fast? Are you cooking it quick? You know, sometimes just that preparation method uh, is going to create flavors and part flavors onto it that are going to complement with different types of beers. For instance, a good example, things that go on the grill tend to go with like fresh, hoppy, fruity ales. So yep. IPA, something crisp, all those things just because it's the the caramelization that's created um, through grilling just goes well with the flavors of those beers. Yeah, they cut through it nicely. Mm-hmm. And just like fresh ingredients and, and fresh meat, if you have a nice brewery near you, a local brewery, drink local IPAs and drink them fresh. There is a whole subculture to that ages stuff, but if you want to get the real flavor of the beer, you want to drink it fresh. Um, I will say this as well as my last consideration point is that don't just think about the the meat alone. Think about the other dishes or the other ingredients in your dish because you want to make sure that those pair well with the beer also. Yep. Um, and don't choose a beer that will overpower your meal. So something too strong with alcohol, something too heavy of flavor. You don't want to pair a really, really light meat with a really, really dark, heavy beer because you'll just you'll lose it. I mean, you can eat it and you can enjoy and all that, but if you take a bite of food and you take a sip of beer, you're just going to taste the beer and you're not going to taste Drowned it. Drowned out. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with the list. So at the top of the list, A is for alligator. Gator. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, for alligator, so kind of from light to dark, um, I went with a India Pale Ale first um, with a lager and then with a brown ale is, is my darker. So I didn't lean too, too dark in that spectrum. And just to think in because gator is – I think it's a very unique meat, but commonly I think of, if you think about gator, you think about like fried gator tails, usually the first thing that comes into mind. Right, jelly roll. Yeah. So granted, you hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to see, actually not hopefully, you'll see some some alligator recipes this fall uh, on our page, but, um, and you'll see some beer pairings with those. Why not? And it won't be just fried alligator tail. So, uh, I, that's why you see those other, other couple beers listed there is just because I wanted to give some variation and some difference in them. Um, because so pale ales, Indian pale ales are always good because they're good for spicy foods and, and they're very crisp and the, you know, like Dan said, they cut through, they cut through a lot of, of either grilling or frying and they match well with that crisp, especially if you get fruity flavors in there too, I think will mix well with the alligator. Yeah, I'm very partial to West Coast IPAs with all the floral and citra hops. Yeah. You know, malt, malt way down low. I'm anti-malt to my core when it comes to IPAs. Um, but New England styles are, obviously I'm a little biased, but they're great too if they're fresh. Um, so yeah, definitely. And the gator is fried too. That fresh crisp helps to cut through some of that grease too. You oh, know, yeah. And it really brings out the flavor of the meat, which is what I like and, you know, 
when I think of frying stuff, I think of, you know, summertime, sitting out back, having something nice and crisp with that gator. So I'm definitely more of a fan on kind of the lighter, crisper, hoppier side of the list there. And and I, I picture too, like you have like alligator, if you're going to make like alligator sausage or something like that, you're going to be um, grilling it or, you know, pan, I wouldn't say pan frying it, but, um, you know, roasting or I mean, a grill. If you're going to do sausage, I would do grill, but that's where you see like the lager come in too. And I'm not talking about like a dark lager. I'm talking about like a, a pretty light lager. Yeah. Almost, traditional. You know, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I think the blonde ale kind of being the darkest out of those, even though it's kind of a light set, um, would, would be kind of really interesting. I don't even know if it'd be the darkest, but no, no, I mean, it all depends, too, if it's a wheat blonde or what kind of blonde it is. And and I picture that going really well because it's just going to be – and that wouldn't be so much so of, like, fried foods. That'd be, like, if you're going to saute it or, you know, yeah. you're putting it with a, a light sauce or something. I think it would complement it really well. I feel like we're going to use the word complement a lot in this episode, which I think is okay. It does complement nicely, yeah. Complement and pair most used words of this episode but um all right next up in the a's is antelope so uh many people know antelope is at the top of my list for one of my favorite game meets of all times and uh i just i I think so i look at because antelope are typically harvested and eat a lot of sage so everybody you hear people complain about it i don't really believe as much in it but there are some sagey undertones in it and i think it pairs really well with uh things that are cooked citrusy so um to me that really stands out and that automatically makes me and you see the number one on the list is uh is hefenweizen and i think that's just a a really good something that, that i could take and i could put I could pair with uh, I could pair with citrus things really good. Yeah. And I think it would comp. It's not dark enough that it's going to overpower the meat. Um, I think it, it it carries well to like fruit notes and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hefeweizen. It's definitely light enough that it really picks up any of the notes that it's brewed with. So like a grapefruit or any kind of fruity flavors really attach that lighter beer and then when you pair it with antelope you know which has some sagey undertones you can really get a great pairing that complements the meat <laughs> i like how you double tap that one pairing compliments <laughs> pairing <Yeah>. and compliments <laughs> it's a compound compliment and then I, I i look at the i lost my note i look at the pale ale um is pale ale being something that that pairs well with sage yeah there you go like I, I think that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, like, dude, that's like a classic. Yeah, no, that's um, a go-to, especially if you're if you're lost and found in the beer aisle and you don't know what's going on with a lot of different flavors, or maybe it's only got some of the mainstream ones there. And you know, you're going to be good with Sierra Nevada. It's kind of like seeing Guinness. Yep. I also so like to talk- throw a, a hazy in there sometimes. You know, that's a little yeah, uh, little hazy IPA. You know, not yeah. on on the heavy side, but a little more citrusy, a fruitier on the IPA sides. Yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of Sierra Nevada, I will branch off for a second and say what we were talking about earlier with the seasons, 
So each year they have a beer that comes out. It's called Celebration Ale. And when you see that stuff, you know the rut is on. That comes out like November 15th <laughs> every year. It'll be in the cooler and you're like, okay, big deer's dying. Deer going down <laughs> now. That is, if there's one deer killing beer in the world, it is Celebration Ale by Sierra Nevada. Huh. I love it. Yeah, I like that beer. That's Always good, comes uh, out prime rut. It's funny. Um, so moving, moving forward in our list here, I was just thinking about, um, bear. So bear, I like bear meat a lot and I've only been fortunate enough to have it a couple occasions, but, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with that, with, I talked and bounced these ideas off some people who eat bear meat a lot. So, um, and this one is, I think the only one on the list where I put four in there just because I, I wanted a wider range of bear because I think there's also a wide range of flavor in bear too. But oh yeah, first off, I think it's something like an IPA, super grassy, super hoppy. Um, and now would, would that be for a stew preparation or a burger preparation? You thinking? Well, I, I would think burger. Yeah, like, it, I would agree. So for me, like with the stews, and we're going to dive into this a little more later, but I, I always lean stews and stuff. I'm going to lean towards the darker side. Yeah. Um, and so that's where you'll see like the brown ale and the stout. Like I would think if you're going to do something where you're going to slow even braise if, or slow bear hams, or you're going to yep. do, you know, uh, a braise or a slow smoke on it or a slow stew. Like I would lean towards the stouts. And, and the brown nails, if you didn't like the the super dark beer. Yeah, and you're going to hear a recurring theme, everybody, with bear meat, which is long cooking times and well-done dishes, just because inherently what goes along with bear meat is the risk of trichinosis. Mm-hmm. So the recipes are going to be low and slow. It's going gonna, gonna to ensure safety and flavor and break down that, that meat. Yep. Well, here's a here's a little story. I was uh, I was up hunting in Sitka, Alaska. It was the blacktail season, but I was up there with a buddy who lives there, and he's, I mean, he's up in the 30s and 40s of killing brown bears, and he goes out every year. He's a native, um, but his favorite beer in the world to drink with bear was Bud Light Orange. Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, and the bear hunter, but so I was. <laughs> I was really, really skeptical, super skeptical. I'm like, okay, you're from Alaska. You're automatically just a little weird, you know, need a little more sunlight. But (laughs) I tried it and I'll say it wasn't bad at all. Um, And part of the reason he drank it was he would drink as a cook. So he needed a lighter beer to take the place of all the time. So he wouldn't get, you know, too inebriated, but he would just drink it while he cooked. That comes back to the previous term of working beer. Low and, exactly. Yeah, keep you hydrated. Low and low and alcohol. Yep. And I'll say that that orange, it didn't pair too badly with a bear steak. Hmm. I'm still stuck in the Bud Light orange thing, but I believe you. So, they, <laughs> man, I have so many questions, but that, that's not very <laughs> gourmet of me. I know. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's what we're. Uh, no, no pretension here. We're not pretentious in this episode, and nope. it's like snow hipsters. We're we're good. Yep whatever works whatever tastes good like i said drink what you want to drink i'm not going to shame it till no. i'm not going to shame it but i i want to try it i've yeah, never we had just got to go to alaska and shoot a bear man I'm just yeah <laughs> it's on the list <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So let's uh, let's progress forward here. So we got elk up next. So um, thinking about elk, I, I think it's one of those two, and you're going to see a recurring theme of like the the longer, heartier dishes or smokier dishes. I would recommend the darker side of things, and then you know if you're doing something lighter, quicker, uh, fried, grilled, sautéed, like I, I would I would think lighter. So. But you'll see this one. I kind of I, I lean towards the darker side, especially with a dark lager, because I think dark lagers have some cool flavors, especially for barbecue stuff. Yeah. Um, because they're not like it's not as much like a porter or a stout where you have a lot of heavy flavors. You can still enjoy like a good barbecue sauce. Or you can you can still taste those smoky flavors pretty prevalent. Where I think sometimes a stout um, will, especially if it's a smoky stout or a porter, will overpower those. Yeah, so you thinking like uh, Newcastle, or you thinking like Killians? I wouldn't say Killians. I would lean more towards Newcastle, just because you got like the brown, the brown ale, and then yep. a dark lager in there. So, yeah, cool. for sure. I mean, my favorite elk dish is elk pot pie. You know, hearty with that flaky crust, and it goes Ooh, super yeah. well with you know those British brown ales like Boddington's or you know your Newcastles or. I, I just think of that like nut brown beer. I don't know why, but that's just immediately what comes to my mind when I think elk. Dude, it mixes so well. I like pot pies and, and those the brown ales and stuff. It's just you know another another good one, uh Smithix. Yeah. It's it's a good a good that brown sense, ale. Yeah. yeah. Harpoon. Yep. Um so let's talk about birds for a little bit. Dove and quail. I think for those I would stick a little lighter. Yeah, agreed. So Especially I, I'm, because if you're going for long cook times with those as well, um, it, it tends to be a you know a more delicate meat too. Well, too think about think about most common like what you're going to be cooking and when when you're going to be cooking dove and quail. Fall, fall or early fall, early. late yeah. summer. So it's yep. going to be hot still. So like. That was one of the reasons I was like Pilsner. Like, there's nothing I like better on a hot day than a cold, light beer. It's like it's better than water, but yeah. Rolling Rock, Stony Pony, old number thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Definitely some working man's beers in there, and I love it because you're in a field hunting dove all day. You're tired. The dog's tired. You come back. You pop open the cooler at the truck. You sit on the tailgate. You let the dog have some water, and you just you crack into one of those. For me, it's Miller Lite or Lone Star. I'm going to throw that out because I'm in Texas. And, Lone uh, Star. Oh, nothing tastes better. It's true. Lone um, Star. What's the other one down there? Um, Shinerbach. Oh, yep. Now, Shinerbach pairs real well with a lot of things, but I would I'd go more real light beers. I go with the Texas beers. You got me on the Texas thing. I'd go with the <laughs> Shiner, Shiner Blonde. Blonde's mm. good, yep. Yep. Or if you want to get crazy, go prickly pear. Ooh. I think that'd go good. That'd go good with quail. Oh yeah. You know, as you're picking cactus out of your boot, you can have some prickly pear <laughs> beer. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of the thoughts on on those first couple, but so then on the opposite side of the spectrum, looking at duck. I think cuz duck too is a darker meat, so it makes me I have a big spectrum here and I tell you why, because I think duck is such a versatile meat. You can do anything. You can do just about anything with it. Very serendipitous. So I just got done 
about doing four hours of yard work and what I have in the grill the entire time, an entire duck that I butchered last weekend. Ooh. Slow roasted and it was paired with an IPA. Nice. See, it's perfect. Nice. But I also go and- real dark with my beers with duck. For some reason, I think of like shredded duck over rice or gumbo, you know, real deep South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But I always think of a Guinness because, you know, it's a full body beer, but it's not going to overpower you with those stout notes. And it's not going to fill you up because typically duck is real hearty. So I want a beer that's not going to make me feel super full. So I usually just go straight for the Guinness when we're talking about, you know, ducks. Yeah, I did this one super fresh and left kidneys in it. Still had lung and liver and heart and all that good stuff and just slow cooked it. I actually plucked it for once. I don't usually pluck my entire duck. I usually go the, the cheap way and just pluck the breast, but I did the entire bird this time and just got a good char on it and then wrapped it in tin foil. Um, put a slow, low and slow on it the entire time doing yard work. And oh, yeah, it was good. So freaking good. So let me, let me pitch this one around because this is a very sp- specific beer, but I think it, it's something that would be really cool to mix with duck. And just because uh, a lot of it, uh, they're very heavy fruit-based. So I think it's a, a cool combination to pair with whatever other ingredients. Because first off, I think duck handles fruit pairings really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite fruit pairings for duck is pumpkin. Mine is orange. But yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Actually, I had a whole sweet potato inside the cavity of this one tonight. Ooh, that's cool. So let's think about Lambic. You guys had Lambics before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the uh, last one out of the Sam Adams multi-pack that stays in the back of the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) So they're – I think they're pretty – they're pretty unique beers, uh, I would say. Yeah. I'd put them in the world of – like sours and stuff too. They're very distinct yeah. in what they taste like. So I, I think a, a proper choice of, of whatever else you're cooking with your duck could lead you down the road to be like, man, let's try this lambic with it. This should be yeah. good. So that's definitely one of those instances where I would say whatever else you're cooking with it would be a good a good look. Um, and then our other flying animal, geese. So looking at geese, I chose red ale, uh, a double, a double, double. I don't know how you say it, but double, <laughs> and a stout. Yeah. And once again, that kind of it, it's still like medium to dark. I think for that, just because I think that in this case, goose could overpower a lighter beer. And I won't say that often where you're going to be in a situation where your meat's going to overpower the beer. But if you put anything, I think, lighter than a red ale or something, you may may end up super overpowered. But granted, um, you know, I've been been wrong on occasion before, but not very many. I like throwing in like a a dunkel. Throwing a dunkel or maybe like a, a black lager. So it's not real heavy like an oatmeal stout, but it's, you know, it's got that flavor in there where it's not going to be. We missed out on out in the duck. So (laughs) I I think that's what stands out to me following along in that mindset with like the dunkles, because I do like the dunkles a lot. Um, but I like the doubles 
especially like the Abbey doubles because they've got that kind of yeasty, bready, like warm feeling. Like I'm sitting by the fireplace eating roasted goose and sipping this beer out of a mug, you know, like, (laughs) I like it. That's, that's where my mind's at with that. And then a stout, you can't go wrong with a good stout. Yeah. Paired with a chocolate chip cookie for dessert. Slightly. Yeah. (laughs) So let's look, um, Let's look at Moose. So, and here's your, I introduced your Dunkel into this one. Um, but I, I think Moose is, is very versatile uh, as oh, well. Yeah. It's one of those meats that you can pair pretty, pretty much with everything. But I wanted to throw a strong ale in there because I thought that the Moose meat could handle pairing with such a strong, like, alcohol flavor. And they sure. would be okay. Yeah, that oh, is that's exactly what meat. I was thinking. Yeah, that is, that is, you can't get that anywhere except for from the field. So that is one of those meats that you have. It's very distinct. Um, lends well to aging very long. You talk about freezer aging and stuff. That is some, sometimes that stuff can be tougher than nails, but it's so one of my good. Favorite things to throw in with that is uh, ballast point. They make, you know, victory at sea, which is their heavy porter, but they made a deal with high West whiskey a while back. So they actually age the beer in the high West whiskey barrels. So it's a really strong, because I think moose can handle a really strong alcohol or high ABV in the in the beer. So you've got that like whiskey on the front end, the heaviness of the porter, that complex flavor, and I think that lends itself really well to like the heaviness and the real distinct flavor of moose. I haven't had that one. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a good. It's a super good beer. It's a game changer. Uh, yeah, the only thing I, I, I see it happens. So you just mentioned the uh, the alcohol content level, right? So the other thing you, people are going to see is the IBU, International Bitter Units. So the higher the bitter units, the stronger and the more bitter the hop flavor. But what, there seems to be this, this ratio that happens where as the alcohol goes up and the bitter unit goes up, they try to counteract it with malt. And that, I think, kills it. And a lot of them, when they're fresh, like you're saying, that beer, I'm sure if it's, if it's on the fresher side, it, it retains all those, but when those age, I, sometimes they do turn into malt bombs, I find out. I had the Ballast Point, um, I think it's called uh, Fathom, mm-hmm. on tap down yep. in Southern California a couple of years ago. And it was like, oh my God, I had it right at their brewery. I was on the beach. I was eating shrimp. It was awesome. I came home like two months later. I had it here. Not the same beer. <laughs> it was completely Man, different. They're, they're beer. Dude, that's how I feel about Yingling. Yeah, it's totally how I feel about Yingling. Like amazing in the Northeast. Like that's what I'm gonna get everywhere I go. Anywhere kind of outside the Northeast, I'm like, eh, I'll take something else. Yeah, PA's got some, got some interesting lineage when it comes to all kinds of things like that. I mean, I remember a lot of times in Philly, because PA is like another country at some point. You'd go there and it'd be five dollars for Budweiser, like twelve ounce, and two fifty for a twenty-four ounce Yingling. You're like, what? Yeah, I'll take the Yingling. And <laughs> yeah, they still two. had smoking in bars. And last call, you would tell the bartender what you wanted to go. And you get it in a nice little black bag. That's the only state I knew of that would give to-go alcohol on last call. <laughs> oh, man, you should come down to Key West. Yeah, yeah right? same thing. Last call, question mark? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> no open container laws? Okay. I did do that in the Keys a long time ago. I walked from backyard to backyard getting barbecue and red solos filled up. That was a good oh, time. Nice. 
yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, talking about hops. I used to grow hops. Really? Yeah. So I uh, I purchased three, no, six hop plants from. Can't remember the name of the company, but it's like in Central Florida. Uh, essentially, there's been a big debate and a lot of research about it. And back when I was I was heavy into farming, we were looking at at trying to grow hops right. more you prevalent. Did. Yeah, you did that farm store. I remember that. Yeah. So um, the we were actually southernmost grower of hops. There you go. Cool. Um, I, I tested nice. it out that I, I learned some valuable lessons and placement and growing. And so I'm like, I'm right across the street from the water. And if we get a good, a good breeze and it carries the salt over the salt, just burnt torched the, the leaves oh. of the, the hops plants. Um, yeah. for whatever reason, it's just not, not a super salt tolerant plant. And, but it, they did, they did produce some, some cones and stuff, uh, which we ended up getting in just kind of like playing around with but it would take a lot but i think you could grow it here in key west and it would be very interesting to to see the flavors of the sea imparted yeah. on on the hop plants so yeah they grow like weeds around here and people do them there's a lot of micro brews that yeah. do a lot of their own hopping and yeah they take off well see and, and the difference being so florida once they came out the research so university of florida did a big research project on it and basically they were like the the standard thought was that you can't grow hops in Florida because it's too hot. Well, they actually found out the opposite. They found out that most places in the U S have like one to two, um, seasons to grow hops or cuttings of hops, usually just one. Yeah. In Florida, they get an additional one because the temperature doesn't drop super down, down depending on what part of Florida. Yep. Yep. So you could cut and regrow essentially almost all year. So you oh, could wow. grow wow, up till your you could grow till your vines are thirty feet. You could cut them, and then they're going to start growing pretty much automatically again. Just like my kale and Swiss chard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Here at Harvest in Nature, we are known to cook a variety of wild fish and game in a variety of ways. Probably one of my favorite methods is to cook in a smoker. Traeger Grills has some of the best products out there. Their pellet grills aren't just grills. They're smokers and ovens too. Anything you can do in the oven in your house, you can do on the Traeger. You can make desserts. You can grill steaks. You can use cast iron pans and braise tough cuts. You can allow roasts and briskets to smoke all day until they're tender and delicious. You can even use it to make jerky. Their variety of pellets are also very impressive. The different flavors of wood allow you to pair with your meat or fish or vegetables and give it the most flavor that you can create. They even have varieties created specifically for your next wild fish or game meal. All right, back to food talk. Uh, pheasants. So with pheasants, I, I threw this one in there because I thought pheasants being such a, 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 light, a lighter meat in fall and just looking at the uh, the cider on the really light side – because ciders are good, man. I and apple ciders. goes great with pheasant. Yep, yep. And then you got the pale ale kind of in the middle, and then you got the double because uh, it's that like hearty fall. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm enjoying this this meal. And then moving on to rabbit, rabbit arguably at the top of my list too. Some of my favorite. And so this is like think cottontail though. Don't think like hair 
with uh, right. you know, hares, darker meat like your jackrabbits and stuff. When you're when you're looking at this list, rabbit, uh, what's going to come across more is going to be like your lighter colored meat, and that's where your saison, because I think the spices and the saison that you commonly see are going to go really well. Your red ale, and then there's your bock. Um, it's because I think it's dark enough, but it's not too dark because rabbit meat's still kind of light, and I think super super delicate. We have a oh, yeah. we have a recipe on uh, Harvesting H that I did like way back in the beginning, where I took uh, essentially their cottontails and uh, deboned several, ground them down into ground meat, and made chili out of it, and it's phenomenal. But with that, because you have the flavors of the chili, the flavors of the rabbit, I would go with the bock, man. It, it would. Oh yeah. yeah, that sounds good. I mean, especially we ate rabbit all the time. Just, yeah, you know, it's yep. easy to get and. You know, living in Texas, Shinerbach, and you know my love for chili. So yep. I'm definitely going to need to pull that up and uh, do a little chefing of my own. Yeah, and rabbit shreds so nice. Mm-hmm. Any Anything you can think of that you would use shredded meat for, you know, the, the, the more standard chicken breast, if you will, or turkey, you can do the same thing with rabbit. That is the, the wilderness white meat, if you will. I think a lot of people overlook rabbit and search for bigger game but you know small game hunting has to be some of the most fun hunting i've done and it's just so accessible too yeah and that's your training ground that's your proven ground mm-hmm. as a kid everybody starts out in the woods well not everybody but if you start out you know growing up in a hunting and fishing family it, the, the big day is when you get your first bb gun right so you're, you're running through the woods and you're going after squirrels and rabbits and that tracking and that being able to pull and follow an animal is going to serve you through every different other hunting style you're going to learn, whether it's rifle, shotgun, or bow. It just gets that eye-hand coordination, getting that that picture it's in, foundational. Your, in your head. Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And that's why people are, you know, especially as you get older hunters that want to get into it, the first thing people want to do is, I want to go deer hunting. I want to go, you know, backcountry hunting. It's like baby steps. Um, you got to get over the rush of getting your heart pounding and seeing a moving animal and just get your head around that. And that is going to graduate you to the level of going after big game. And it, it's it, a lot it, easier I, to process a rabbit than an elk. I'll just say yeah. that much. And it's, it's incremental. And once you have a good foundation of that, you build towards the larger game that and they're delicious. And it's, it's definitely a more, if you think about, you want high action, right? You're not going deer hunting depending on the state you're in. If you're going to bring a new <laughs> hunter true. out, you're going to go squirrel hunting, you're going to go rabbit hunting. Uh, dove hunting is excellent. It's one of the, the most hunted game in America and you know, high action. You know why I like dove hunting so much? It's because growing up, dove season was the first season to open. Yeah. But like literally, we would go from like football practice in high school to be like, oh, football practice is over, and we'd go get in our trucks and we'd drive out to the dove field. Yep. Ours was always was uh, pheasant. My dad, growing up, we raised uh, bird dogs, Brittany Spaniels. So we had a good history of, like, that was one of our seasons, too. Like, we had many, many seasons through the year that was opening day, but pheasant was definitely one of them we looked forward to so much. Yeah, we would have the, the white wing dove season open the weekend before actual dove season. It was like a national holiday in Central Texas. Like, everybody <laughs> took off work. Everybody was out in the field, and you were just limiting out on white wings. Of course, you couldn't shoot any morning doves yet, but it was just – it was the start of the season. Just such an iconic, like, memory just seared into my brain. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. 
so good. Um, so let's the other side of that too is like I was thinking about, um, and I think this is more where the red ale comes in, like fried rabbit. Like you're just eating rabbit off the bone, just pan fried flour, you know, buttermilk, even you know, whatever. Sure. Like I think that red ale would pair super, super great with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I like doing them in the cast iron, then finish them in the oven. Yep, get that yeah. like extra crisp, and it kind of yeah. sets in with that good like consistent heat of the oven. And then, uh, so talk about also frying, and then the other side from the ground of the tree, the squirrel squirrels. So oh yeah. You see the Pilsner listed in there just because I think Pilsner would go great, especially fried. IPA is going to bring out tons of flavors in the squirrel. Um, and then what I really, really like and probably what I would lean towards is the Scotch Ale. Yeah. Because um, the Scotch Ale, you're going to get some cool, unique flavors that the Scotch Ale is going to provide. And also, I could see it a glass of scotch ale sitting next to something like if you're doing like, uh, my mind just blanked, but, um, so like squirrel stew and scotch ale sounds so good right now. Yeah. Just a yeah. theme and bowl of squirrel stew. Oh. You know, I, I was thinking about too, like chicken fried squirrel with oh, yeah. like white gravy and scotch ale and like, it's sitting on the bottom. Oh, of the oh yeah. All that, up. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I know. I know I mentioned it before too, but that's one of my favorite things is, and we already brought it up once already, but pot pies. I mean, you, <laughs> you take a bunch of root vegetables, whatever Ooh, yeah. you've got, cook it down in a cast iron and cover that thing with a pie crust and unfreaking believable. All right. So here's, here's one that's a little, um, it's a little out of my wheelhouse. So I kind of had to lean on some others for help. And Dan, you and I talked about it a little bit, but sheep and mountain goat. And so this one I listed brown ale, stout, and porter just because I think like at the time when people are harvesting mountain goat and sheep, like you're getting something that's like an aged animal. So there's like a lot of flavors going on there just from life. Yeah. uh, I think too, depending on all of those brown ale, stout, and porter mix well with things that have fat. So you have – on that spectrum of sheep and mountain goat, you have a lot of, you have either animals that are very lean depending on their environment. So if you're looking at like desert sheep and then you also have like some fattier, more marbled meat from like some of the mountain goats and stuff. Yeah. That is some of the only wild meat you'll find that might actually be marbled. mm -hmm. So I think any of those would pair well. Um, Like I said, that I bounced off some people I talked to, I'd still go higher on the alcohol with that one. Yeah. I think you'd, you'd want a strong, for me personally anyways, when I'm eating lamb or I'm eating um, sheep, I just, something about that fat sticking in your mouth and that flavor staying with you and kind of moving around, you can dilute it and break it down with a higher um, alcohol beer, I feel. You know, I, I didn't kind of like, to... uh, sorry, go Justin, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go, go ahead. So I'm kind of with Justin on this. I don't have a ton of experience here. Really, my only experience with this is more like Audad or Barbary sheep in West Texas. And, uh, you know, real sinewy, real muscular. And the strong flavors of a red ale just pair really well with that, uh, just for me and my experience. But, you know, I haven't done the the big doll sheep or, you know, the mountain Yeah, I base it off of the ones I raise. So I'll do a couple sheep a year here in my homestead. 
and I just lend those flavors to having just a very strong get that fat layers in there. I know it's different than wild, but mine pretty much live on wild. <laughs> I will say that the sheep's favorite meal, hands down, is poison ivy. Good you man. Would, you would throw I'm a handful of some sheep. They, they would. You can throw like a. I'll go through the garden. I'll pick a bunch of the the off leaves or bug bitten romaine lettuce kale swiss chard you'd think they'd tear that stuff apart right want nothing to do with it right for the poison ivy the leaves the oak tree that's leaning over that's what they love growing up we used to have a a cattle would eat a lot of poison ivy yep which was good because i'm pretty allergic to it i don't know now as much as an adult but i used to be pretty bad as a kid yeah and uh you could always tell like when we were in pastures that uh, we weren't grazing cattle on like things would be more easily acquired poison ivy, but <laughs> not a they fun experience. It. Yeah. Good for them. I'm happy for animals like that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that fatty layer in there, I do like to break up with a higher alcohol beer. Definitely. I can see, I didn't want to list it too much on here, but I could also see an IPA going with, with sheep and mountain goat, just because I think it could cut that fat really well too. I even and, think like um, barley wine too would yeah. go with that. Yeah, I can see that. So this is probably I uh, I'll say we're probably getting the most feedback on turkey because people are like diehard turkey connoisseurs, both hunting and eating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I went with wheat beer, a lager, and an Oktoberfest. Okay. So I went with wheat beer because, and I got a little, these, this one I got a little more specific on. Uh, I went with wheat beer because I think wheat beer is kind of, first off, you can enjoy wheat beer any time of the year, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking like spring turkey, wheat beer, lager, spring turkey, you know, you can, turkeys definitely very versatile smoked sauteed shredded you know whatever you're gonna do with it like i think those would go pretty well with it and then on the opposite side i think about oktoberfest which i i would yeah. say i really enjoy oktoberfest beers a lot oh yeah and i'm i'm really sad that you can't really get them all year round but that's <laughs> also what makes them special I was, I was gonna say yeah yeah i did so, a Earlier this season, I did the uh, a wild turkey stir fry with a bunch of wild edibles. Mm-hmm. We had garlic mustard in there and fiddleheads, um, chives, a bunch of good stuff. And that was basically a big stir fry I did of a brown rice. And I did pair that with that little hazy you were talking about. Yeah. Ooh, we'll throw, hazy. So all these specific recipes we mentioned, as always, everybody knows, we'll, we'll throw the recipes in the show notes so you can click the links. But um, – yeah, I, I think we, man, I, I like this. This is fun, talking about beer and wild game. Two passions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, all right, and finally we get to the uh, probably the number one consumed wild game in all of North America, venison. Um, oh, and yeah. this, I went, I listed four on here as well because – I definitely, this is one of those like, are you going to go high heat, quick cooking? Are you going to go low heat, slow cooking? Like stews, 
smoking it, grilling it, like whatever you're going to do. Like these are the four beers in the venison spectrum. I just, I believe that they could, depending on what you're preparing, like this is where it's going to be. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man. From the very light end, Pilsner, then moving it to IPA, then moving to the Belgian style beer, then moving to the Bach, and then all the way up at the top of the stout. Like it it really is just gonna depend what the on, cut, what the yep. what the cook method. Yep. So when I think the time of year and who you're serving it to and you know, celebration and all that, like I think that, that, that there's a lot of variety you can go with with venison and beer. Yeah, well, I, venison I, in itself is is just such a unique meat depending on where you've had it. You know, like a black-tailed deer in Alaska is going to taste different than the muley in South Southern mm-hmm. California and the whitetail in Wisconsin. I think that's the beauty of it, and I like that you mentioned IPAs because IPAs tend to take on their local region's flavors. And so my favorite thing is to wherever I, you know, harvested the animal to pick up some local IPAs from there. And that's what I usually pair with. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, and then lastly, uh, out of the list here, and this is, of course, we could dive deeper and get into other game meats, but this is as comprehensive as list that I put together, but wild pork. And I think, people need to understand that wild pork tastes different than farm-raised pork. Like, Yeah, it's like a mixture of deer and pork. Yep, yep. It's usually like a, a tends to be a little darker meat. And, um, you know, depending on what they're eating, and yeah, they eat everything. But um, I'd but, put that on the same, the same balance as bear. Definitely do a spot check on that fat. Do a spot check on that meat. Figure out yeah. what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Taste, sure. t- give it give it taste test before uh, before you litter. but I, I went I went kind of uh, full spectrum on this like Heffenweizen I went with a, a darker lager so you get like a dunkel and then I went all the way over to the porter because if you're gonna be like full on putting it on the Traeger and smoking it if you're gonna be you know roast it in the oven if you're making hams out of it if you're curing it like whatever yeah. you're doing like I think there's a wild pork you can do a lot with but it's going to depend on the preparation method i'll throw one on this one i'll go with chicharrones and oh yeah pair that with you know any good light mexican beer that's a cate or you know dosakis a lot of lime get some tahini get all those mm-hmm. flavors that's working a- together that's exactly where i would go with it i mean we shot tons of hogs down in south texas and I mean, our favorite thing to do is, you know, either a uh, like a pork loin or, you know, shred it because it shreds so well. And we would always drink it with heavy amounts of lime and, you know, a Corona, Tecate, Dos Equis, any kind of those Mexican beers. That's kind of how I've always framed it. But I also have never had it, you know, cured or hand. We we always did it shredded or smoked. Yeah, I I think it's it's a it's a great it's great meat to play around with as far as like what do you do. So that's that's the list. Um, I'm interested to see people's comments and takes on it. Oh, it's gonna uh, be so much hate now. <laughs> that's okay. It's 
it's welcome, uh, by the way. That means you're you're listening and you're paying attention. Yeah, I think it's good though. You know, it's it's a it's a starting point for. I mean, it's a starting point. That's it. No, it's a huge topic, and it, it's it. You did a great job breaking down and really diving deep, and you did dive deep. It's cool, man. You got a good the whole light to dark thing, and just you know, going for a good baseline for each meet to start with. Yeah, and I yeah, wanted. Obviously, I think- you did a lot of like fleshing out with it, and I like some of the kind of the weird turns you took. You know, at first I was like, wait, I don't see that, and then you started describing. I was like, yeah, that you know. I could see that. And you, so you know, that's that's one reason I wanted to talk about it on the podcast too, is because it you know you can read it on paper and you can be like, oh, that's great cider pheasant. Yeah, I kind of see it, but it's like cider double. Like, what is that guy thinking? So <laughs> um, it's just a good opportunity to to dive deeper. Um, it, it's a fun list. Why not? I'll play around with it. I'm gonna work my way through it this year. Uh, again and and see you know who knows maybe we maybe we put out a revised 2.0 list what i would yeah, like may i dare say it we'll even hit fish next time maybe yeah so you're it's too difficult man to, right that's get, too difficult get, that's a deep well, dive gotta take one at a time started with the game so I, i'm looking at oh man and i i hate to do it but I don't hate to do it, but to promise it. But I, I'm going to look at wines, and maybe not like specific wines. Wines I think are as varied or more varied uh, than um, than beers. But I just kind of want to do kind of the same thing. Like I'm not going to get super specific, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. I bought. I, I mean, I bought. I bit my tongue in a couple of these because in my head all I could taste was Carlo Rossi Paisano. like pheasant like wine yep keep going yep okay roasted squirrel okay wine but that's just my upbringing yeah a lot of mine went straight to whiskey i was like oh you know (laughs) good western game really compliment how does hot damn schnapps compliment that pheasant (laughs) 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 the answer is excellently um but you know, in the end, like, like I said earlier, I encourage people to to just try it, like try the list, um, go through there, you know, figure out what you're gonna cook, see if it works, and get the beer, or if you have beer lying around and you get a, a good harvest, like, cook it up and and play around with it. I don't know, experiment. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. Not definitely serious. think. No, not at all. And definitely think when you guys are cooking too, if you're putting water in something, why not beer? Especially, you know, changing from just straight water to a lager or a pilsner can really add a lot of good flavor to whatever you're cooking. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about cooking with beer. All right. Let's Outside do it. of that. I'm a big fan of cooking with beer, uh, yep. beer, wine, and alcohol because I think it, you know, after you cook off, and I say alcohol, I mean like like your spirits. Like after you cook off the actual alcohol in it, the flavor um, left behind. The the flavor that left behind is really awesome, and I think beer lends itself well to a lot of different things. Um, yeah, it's integral it, in some recipes. Yep, soups, stews, pot pies, like batters. Oh, yeah. Batters. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I made I made beer battered fish tonight. Like there you go. You can't go wrong with that. Get an ice cold beer in there and keep that stuff nice and chilled. Fries up, beautiful. 
it, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> a few weeks, a few weeks back, I took some uh, pheasant sausage, and you know, caramelized some onions, and then I made like a a maple bourbon sauce to go with it, right over the mm-hmm. the sausage. Oh, it was so good. I, you know, it adds a lot of flavor, and I love cooking with spirits and beer. Yeah, and it goes without saying that. Wine is your friend when it comes down to breaking down all those little bits left over when you're browning up a venison steak. Mm-hmm. Shots of red wine in there and deglaze that pan. That stuff is magic. Forget A1 sauce or Worcestershire. That's what you want to be pouring over the top. Makes a nice uh, nice sauce. Yeah, pan sauce. It's good. You, you can do the same thing with beer, too. You oh, yeah. know, If you had uh, you know, your, your searing backstrap steaks off your venison, you can take a little bit of, uh, a little bit of that stout, pour in there in the pan. And- yeah. Stir it around. You could even throw a little flour in there and make a nice little stout Brew. gravy. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, stouts Ooh, stouts with good. stew too. Anything you're going to cook for a long and slow time. That is something I do want to bring up too. If you're thinking about breaking down flavors and that's what you're doing when you're when you're making a stew or you're making a reduction or you're having something that's going on for a long time for stock, you got to think of the end result of that. So that's why you peel carrots, you peel potatoes. You don't want that bitter taste in there. So if you're going for a long cook time, I would definitely avoid the beers that are high in IBUs because mm. you're going to be stuck with that bitter flavor, and that's it at the end of it. That's a good. That's a good. That's a hot tip. That's a hot tip. <laughs> Just because I've done it, <laughs> I still like it. But you're like, yep, that's what that is. Uh, I'm trying to think. So I, I recommended the other day we were we were talking about lobster tails and uh, oh, yeah. and steaming, and I was talking with somebody about adding like fruit beers into the the water to like sort of steam with, and still sort of mixed results on how it came out. And I'm gonna have to test it myself, but it, it could be an interesting interesting thought as well. I, will I remember give you we guys- used to do. Uh- crawfish all the time like crawfish boils and we would have Mm -hmm. like summer shandies with them oh yeah and that was always really good because you had a lot of like obviously we were throwing whole lemons in there with the cook time and so that that shanty oh so good i i will tell you though that my favorite boiled seafood beer be it crab be it shrimp be it crawfish is miller high life i think it complements the flavors so well and (laughs) You guys can. Oh, that's more of a champagne. It's the champagne it's the bubbles, beers. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys. This is not my recipe, and I won't say whose it is because he'll kill me. They probably won't hear this. So we should be safe. So there is a deer camp recipe that I've been eating like my entire life. Never knew what it was really. So again, with the tradition of I like keeping a shank for next year to make stew before I go out. Mm-hmm. Well. um, the unknown person, an unnamed person, would keep two batches of sausage for deer camp. And his recipe is you take a giant crock pot, you put a six pack of beer in it. You take a whole jar of cherry peppers that are sliced with the vinegar and everything. You put those two things in there. You slice up the sausage and you let that boil. And then on the side of that, you'd have a nice thing of chunky, thick seeded mustard, a loaf of rye bread and sauerkraut. And you could not help yourself, but keep going back and making shit on a shingle with that. Every time you came back into warm up at camp when you were butchering deer, it is one of the best and worst foods you can eat at deer camp. 
Holy smokes, man. Yeah, that sounds good. It's a German recipe if you can't pick up on it. I I think it's interesting though you call it shit on a shingle because I think shit on a shingle and I think like toast with uh with with like white gravy. Yeah, that is a broad term that I've heard predominantly from ex Navy people. A lot of a lot of the old timers from camp would always say that mm-hmm. I'd make home homemade sauce whatever else and they'd come up with a piece of toast and be dipping it in the sauce shit on a shingle and they keep walking like that's just the huh. term you get thrown around i think it's anything on toast almost can apply for it. yeah i wrote a great uh recipe for meat eater yes, shit, on a shingle rest. shit on a shingle check it out it's a good one uh we'll put it in the show notes but um uh, how you service guys i i was so baffled the first time i heard it you know where i heard it will we're at the mighty cutter eagle I was like, oh, see, <laughs> I was, it's not a goal. The, uh, the, the culinary specialist on there, they found out I had a culinary background. So they're like, Hey, come help us out. Like in the galley. So like, we were cooking for the, for the officers on board at the time. I was like a officer candidate. So not quite an officer yet, but they were essentially like, I'd like the shit on the shingle. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> What was that? What? I was like, come again. <laughs> what, what was that? They're like, well, um, it's like toast with gravy and sausage. And I was like, oh, okay, I can make that. So, needless to say, uh, I created a venison virgin, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, I made it since then. Like, my kids crush it. You put like an over easy egg t- over it. Oh, over, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Oh, of course, you got to. I've had friends like write me text messages be like this is so good my kids like <laughs> devoured it i'm like it's perfect so yeah i'm a complete and utter sucker for an over easy egg pretty much in anything yep agreed well guys unfortunately time is ticking down and uh i think that we have covered our beer list and beer cooking pretty pretty detailed yeah. um so let's go Real quick, Dan, you got any last thoughts or alibis? I'll finish with a quote from Hunter S. Thompson, which is basically, good people drink good beer. Nice. <laughs> it's hard to follow up on. Uh, That's why Will. I went first. <laughs> Will, do you have a last thought or alibi? I like your list. I like how you kind of deep dove into it, and I'm definitely going to have some pairings in the future, You know, especially now as you know, hunting season is getting in full swing and you know, hopefully there's going to be some alligator on the table and some fresh venison and, you know, all these different animals coming up and I'm excited to kind of experiment, you know, have to go pick up that variety six pack. Keep that Lambic locked and loaded. Right. That's right. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's coming. It's going to be a thing. I definitely, I, I'm going to start doing this and I hope that it trails the others. I'm going to start doing uh recommended pairings with some of the dishes I think I put out. So. Um, look, yeah. look, look for that, uh, beer or wine or, or spirits, but something just to kind of give it a little extra volume. Yeah, man. I, 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 I try to do that too, towards the end, even though you'll see a little bit of a repetitive action with IPAs and white tequila, <laughs> but, uh, nevertheless, <laughs> those flavors do lend themselves nice depending on what you're eating. Nice. Well, um, my last thought is this, uh, drink what makes you happy. Uh, life's too short for bad haircuts, bad coffee, and bad beer. So um, <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> Love it. But um, 
as always, go, go check out social media. Give us a follow. Harvest Nature, all the major platforms, whatever podcast platform you're listening to on. Uh, punch that five-star button. 